It's Friday, the 17th of February, 2023. The last word in podcasting news. This is the Pod News Weekly Review with James Cridlin and Sam Sethi. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News. And I'm Sam Sethi, the CEO of Podfans. In the chapters today, why is Vox Media raising $100 million? Acast financial results, are they up or down? Hindenburg Pro 2.0, is it a Descript replacement? And I've a trade secret or two to share. And I am Dovdas Yokshas, the founder of Artist Blue. I'll talk later about how Artist Blue supports all the new podcasting 2.0 features. I'm Nick Dungley uh, from Hindenburg. I'm the creative director. And I'm Chris Modis, the CEO of Hindenburg. And later on, we will be talking about Hindenburg Pro 2. They will. This podcast is sponsored and hosted by Buzzsprout. Last week, more than 4,000 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. Podcast hosting made easy with powerful tools and remarkable customer support. And now you can turn your listeners into supporters with Buzzsprout subscriptions. From your daily newsletter, the Pod News Weekly Review. James, let's kick it off this week. Vox Media. Cara Swisher on the end of her last podcast snuck it out. I'm not sure it's public domain, but she basically said with Scott Galloway that they're raising a hundred million dollars. Wow. What are they going to do with $100 million, James? Well, who knows? I mean, they uh, Vox Media made a number of people redundant only a couple of weeks ago, so maybe they were doing that just to keep things a little bit more lean for, for then a takeover. Um, so I'm not quite sure what's uh, going on there, but Penske Media will own about 20% of the company after buying $100 million worth of it. They own things like Rolling Stone and Variety. You wouldn't know anybody at Vox Media, would you, that you might be able to get on? Well, I thought I'd reach out to them. And Naima Raza, who's lovely, she's the co-host of On with Cara Swisher, but she's also a director of Vox Media, and said she'll be on the show next week because we want to know what they're going to do with $100 million. So, yeah, stay tuned. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, see, as ever, you know uh, everybody in the business. Uh, Spotify also has a new investor as well, I believe. I was going to say, it's really easy, James. I'll just drop your name and then they open the door. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, of course. Um, Yes, Spotify does have a new investor. Uh, it's a hedge fund, though, and I'm not sure that uh, Daniel X is going to be too happy with this investor. Why not? Because it's an investor who's uh, an activist investor. You can uh, rename that to an agitating investor as well if you want. Generally, these type of investors get their equity and then they go and start sitting on boards and start dictating down to the executive team how they want to see the company run. And it seems that this hedge fund wants to um, sort out what was built to last and what was built for the bubble, i.e. he wants to cut out the fat, change the company a little bit, and I think this is going to be a little bit interesting to watch what Daniel has to do. The company's called Value Act Capital Management. They're based in San Francisco. We don't quite know how much they've invested um, because they haven't yet made the SEC filing. I believe that they've got a little bit of grace period to do that. But uh, yeah, interesting to uh, take a peek at what's going to happen with uh, Spotify there. There was another piece this week, James, of another person giving Spotify good kicking. Semaphore wrote a post about how Spotify's podcast bet went wrong. Uh, has it gone wrong, James? Well, has it gone wrong? Exactly. Um, uh, the New York Times is also the latest to write 
write about the apparent demise of the entire industry uh, with uh, something that they call podcast companies once walking on air feel the strain of gravity. And I have to say, Spotify's podcast bet went wrong, as Semaphore say. They came from nowhere four years ago. They are now number one in most countries uh, in less than four years. Um, so uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Samsung Free, do they get a free ride, basically? And, and it's all Spotify, and they've gone hideously wrong by becoming number one in most countries. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little bit sort of grumpy about the whole, oh, Spotify, it's rubbish stuff which is coming out of the financial uh, press, particularly the financial press. And uh, yeah, they've been running the company at a loss because that's what investors wanted them to do. And now investors are saying, no, 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 we need you to make some profit. And so they're turning around the company to make some profit. So um, I don't know. I'm just being a little bit grumpy, but I'm aware I've said this before. <laughs> what, that you're a bit, little bit grumpy or just Spotify? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, this, this reminds me, though, there was a brilliant interview. Michael Parkinson in the UK interviewed George Best, and he told a story about how he was one of the best footballers in the world, but he suffered from alcoholism. And uh, But he was a, a very good-looking man, and so uh, you know, women flocked to him. And uh, he was in a hotel with Miss World, uh, Maria Stavin, £100,000 on the bed that he'd won in a bet. And he'd got a knock on the door from the waiter who said, uh, I've got your champagne, Mr Best. And then as the waiter was leaving, he turned around to George Best and said, where did it all go wrong, George? And George looked around and went, Miss World, £100,000 on the bed. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, LAUGHTER and Wowzers. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Spotify. Yeah, yeah, they are making a loss. Yes, we do not like the fact that they're proprietary and closed. But actually, they've made a bet that has moved the needle for the whole industry in terms of making the wider general public aware of podcasting and some of the names that have come to podcasting are because Spotify have paid big money to bring them into podcasting. So... You know, yes, we'd love them to support the podcast 2.0 index and join the ecosystem. But at the same time, they have helped everyone, you know, in getting more people interested into podcasting. Yeah, I think uh, we should possibly be giving them a little bit more credit where credit is due. Uh, more financial stuff in a minute. Just want to say, oh, well, I'm sticking on financial stuff. Just want to say thank you to our power supporters using Buzzsprout subscriptions. Super easy if you're with Buzzsprout to get this set up. Nick Ivanov, uh, Dave Jones, the Podsage himself, Matt Medeiros, Marshall Brown, Cameron Moll, Hauser Dictionary and Kevin Finn. Thank you so much for your generous support and for using Buzzsprout subscriptions. You can support us too. You can hit the support button in your new podcast app or visit weekly.podnews.net Now, looking at financial results as we were just then let's have a look at ACAST who have just announced their Q4 results uh, ACAST maintains positive despite job cuts and continued unprofitability the operating loss dropped by almost 60% uh, following budget cuts, so staff cuts that they had last year uh, the operating loss amounted to $5.6 million so Overall, though, James, Ross Adams and the CFO Emily Villate shared their full and quarterly results, saying they're very bullish and upmarket about what's going to happen in 2023. Did you have a look at the results and what were your thoughts? Yeah, now you see, this is, this is you. You start with the operating loss. 
Yes. And although it's getting better, um, you start with the operating loss. I, I started with um, sales, ad sales are up 35% right. um, uh, year on year in the last quarter, which is uh, pretty good. They've now got 1.3 billion listens, which is up 22% year on year, on track towards profitability in 2024. The one thing that they do say, which I have asked for clarification on, is that they are now very excited that they host a total of... 92,000 podcasts, um, which they claim is a 130% year-on-year growth. Now, 92,000 podcasts sounds like quite a lot. And in fact, when you look into the podcast index, or if you look at the Listen Notes directory, then they only list about 25,000. So I'm a little bit confused as to where the rest of them are. I know that the BBC um, is included in that. I know that uh, VG, which is a big um, uh, Scandinavian uh, publisher, is also included in that. But no, I, I don't quite understand where this additional 50,000 podcasts are. So I've asked them for a little bit of clarity um, on that. But um, yeah, it's it's all looking, I think, pretty good for Acast in terms of they're losing less money, they're earning more money in terms of uh, ad revenue and all of that. It all seems to be going in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that they are the open podcast company, that's what they like to be seen as. How much of what they do, though, supports any of the podcast index namespace? Let's just take a quick break. Welcome to High Street Matters, a regular podcast from Byra, the British Independent Retailers Association. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing top business owners and experts here at Byra about issues which impact independent retailers today. We'll be talking to a cross-section of our members from around the UK, from single retail outlets to small chains, and from large department stores to leisure and hospitality. We plan to provide top tips to help businesses stay ahead of the retail curve. High Street Matters. Thanks for listening. Um, Yeah, I don't know whether they are doing any of that at the moment. And clearly, if they are doing, my my understanding is that they are automatically doing transcripts. So they should be able to publish those uh, automatically into their feeds and everything else. But at the end of the day, that may not be something which is particularly interesting to them right now. I mean, obviously, value for value isn't going to be of interest to them at all. But uh, you could see that some of the other uh, tags, particularly, you know, person tags might be really uh, handy. There's uh, someone that used to work for uh, NPR, Stacey Goers, who um, has been working at ACAST now for a number of uh, years. And she's very, um, uh, you know, understanding about what the new podcast namespace can offer. So perhaps there's something um, there. But um, yeah, who knows? I get a f- kind of a feeling that ACAST's technology is uh, it's very good, but um, maybe needs a little bit of, um, you know, if if it's been going for quite some time, there's probably quite a lot of technical debt to fix in there as well. Would you say Acast is Spotify's next biggest competitor? I mean, I know Apple is, but would that be the number two 
competitor to them? In terms of competitor to ad revenue, I would suggest that um, Acast is pretty high up there. Yes, you've got SiriusXM and um, an iHeart, but I would I, I would suggest that Acast is pretty high there. Apple, of course, isn't a um, a competitor to Spotify at all when you look at ad revenue. And so, you know, from that point of view, that that's an interesting, you know, side that actually Acast is is there um, earning ad revenue from the same clients who's, as who are paying with, um, from the same clients as who use um, Spotify and the Spotify uh, advertising uh, network. So, you know, I guess from that point of view, yeah, there there is some um, uh, competition there. Acast, of course, very, very clearly pointing out that they are available everywhere and not just within the Spotify ecosystem, which is, of course, their point of difference. Yeah, just looking back on the last quarter, just to remind everyone, uh, Acast had done some significant things. One of those was the Amazon Music deal, where they offered ad-free podcasts for Prime members. Um, the agreement means that Amazon Music has bought all the advertising space in thousands of Acast podcasts, so that was pretty good for them. Uh, and they and they also launched their self-serve advertising platform. So they've done quite a few things. Yeah, they have, and they've done quite a lot of um, planning for the, for the future as well. They are removing uh, things that uh, may be... Uh, relying on cookies and IP addresses and instead using uh, their keyword targeting uh, stuff, which is uh, very much contextual targeting based on the uh, content of the podcast, uh, which is a very clever plan. And they've also been doing a, a number of different uh, agreements. I mean, of course, they, they bought Podchaser last year, but they also uh, have signed an agreement with uh, a lot of um, different companies, including Mir Van Diet, which is a very large uh, podcast studio in the Netherlands, 27.5 million listens annually. Um, so, uh, yeah, they appear to be doing uh, pretty well from that side. Yeah. So, again, I think Acast looks like they're in a healthy position having cut the fat made a few changes uh, for 2023, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. And I think certainly when you have a look at net sales going up 35% year on year, um, it's it's why why I say that I'm I'm a bit bored of these uh, doom and gloom articles saying that podcasting is in a dreadful state. Just take a look at Acast. Acast is doing fantastically well. Also, take a look at Live One. They're the owners of Podcast One. I don't really care about the rest of that particular company, but if you look at ad revenue, which is mostly Podcast One, um, that grew by 3% um, year on year in the nine months ending uh, the end of uh, last year. Um, So they are seeing improved ad revenue. One would assume that means that they are um, in reverse for the last quarter, I would guess. But even so, they're still doing pretty well. Um, So uh, that company is going to be spinning out Podcast One before the end of March, assuming that um, the conditions that they've set themselves um, work out. So you know, again, I don't think that there's a, uh, a desperately sad story here of podcasting falling apart because you're seeing lots of other podcast companies doing really, really well. And indeed, you know, Spotify's ad revenue is going up. Um, so it, it just makes me a little bit frustrated with all of these very negative stories about, oh, you know, podcasting, all the gloss has gone off and nobody's spending any money. You know, I mean, Spotify is even still signing exclusives. They signed an exclusive um, last week 
with uh, somebody in uh, Sweden, I believe. Um, so, uh, you know, it's. Um, I think there's uh, quite a lot of uh, people rather enjoying giving Spotify a kick, and I'm not sure that it's necessarily uh, a good plan. Do you think, you know, that story about 80% of uh, podcasts were disappearing because of Anchor um, has led to these stories as well? I mean, has that been the... Uh, catalyst to fuel the the negativity. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's been two things. There's been that number of eighty percent fewer podcasts, which is a completely bogus number, which is made up of um, just purely anchor and anchor no longer being automatically put into Apple Podcasts. Um, so you've got that sort of side of it, and also obviously, you know, Spotify has been making some pretty large headline grabbing cuts, um, both cutting people and also cutting, um, you know. Um, shows and various other things over the last year so I think I think it's it's fair if you don't know much about the industry to look into it and go oh podcasting must be having a dreadful time but actually if you just spend 10 minutes which is more than these um, journalists are doing if you spend 10 minutes longer to actually have a look at what is really going on, I don't think that there's a negative issue here, to be honest. But um, maybe I'm just, um, you know, trying to put a nice gloss on it because I would, wouldn't I? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's an issue here. Now let's move on. James, I didn't know you were taking the title of Podsage from Dave Jones, but you tweeted out last week, <laughs> I've seen the future and it works. So tell me, James, what have you seen? Well, that's, of course, a Prince lyric from some song that he wrote. Uh, yes, but I saw uh, Hindenburg, which um, this week uh, announced Hindenburg Pro version 2. It's a brand new version of the editor uh, with new features, including transcription, um, which is very cool. Uh, the transcription with Hindenburg Pro works offline, uh, which is uh, very nice. Um, it deals with English, French, Spanish, German and Danish, weirdly enough. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I thought well, what would be really interesting is to have a quick chat um, with uh, two folks from uh, Hindenburg, Chris Mottis and uh, Nick Dunkley, to ask them a little bit more about what Hindenburg Pro version 2 was all about. So I started by asking Nick what the new features were. The most prominent thing, I guess, for everyone will be that we have transcription in there and now have a manuscript. And I assume we'll get back to that later. But otherwise, we've been doing an overhaul of the UI. So it's, it's, uh, it's not just to make it look more fresh and modern, well, that was one thing, but also it's, it's more functional now. It has some features in there that make storytelling slightly easier. And uh, so there's a new clipboard and new, new regions with colors. We've also added uh, a video, not in the sense that you can edit video, but you can, you can do your post-production sound for your video. And then... Uh, few other tidbits should we get into all of them now? yeah well we might as well get into all of them because i noticed that you are also going to roll out um plugins um there are some new plugins which um fans of this show particularly will enjoy because i believe that there's a lip smacking or a mouth smacking plugin um which i don't fully understand but um uh, you know some grumpy people say that's what you need you need one of those lip smacking plugins 
Um, so, uh, so there's a bunch of new plugins on the way, I understand. Yeah, we're trying to make a small suite of the most common uh, voice restoration filters. The point of the plugins are that they would take care of the most common um, uses that you'll have, as you were saying, mouse smacks, clicks. Um, these kind of things. And what I really like about the plugins which are in Hindenburg is that um, the plugins are really easy and simple. So the, the, there's a dynamic compressor in there which has just has one knob. Yes. And you don't need to understand anything about knees or thresholds. No. Um, it, it, it's just a knob and you turn it up and things get more more compressed. Is the plan that um, these additional plugins will work much the same way? It is indeed. And it's not just the compressor that we designed that way. We did the same thing with the noise reduction. And if you remember noise reduction from the olden days for like dinner, do you remember the dinner plugin? Uh, I don't, but it had yeah. like a, it was really in the good old days. Uh, D-I-N-R. It, it was it was fine. It had a thousand different uh, knobs on it and you could try to adjust them. And if you were lucky, you didn't sound too much like a Dalek when you were done with it. So creating plugins that are easy to use is ob the obvious thing to do, but it's really, really difficult to do it. And just doing the compressor, as we were talking about before, when I uh, was working with Peyton about doing this, he was uh, he was saying, well, then we need to have all these knobs. And I said, no, we want one knob, and that's it. He said, it can't be done. He said, I don't care. I want one knob. I want more compression or less compression. And he was like, but it's never been done. I always, I just insisted, I don't care. <laughs> just make it work. So we had to figure out a way of making it work. And obviously we'll, we'll take the exact same approach to it. It's, uh, it's difficult to figure out what the best way to do it is, um, but we're, we'll definitely figure it out. I'm looking forward to playing with those. Also looking forward to playing with the call recorder. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it sounds as if uh, Libsyn has added one of those relatively recently called Libsyn Connect. Um, there's obviously the Riversides and the Squadcasts of this world, but mm -hmm. you are putting a call recorder directly into Hindenburg. Yeah. It will just make things easier, having everything integrated. Very cool. And um, how will how will that work? Will it record at both ends, or or will it uh, or will it just record great quality on one on one side? It will just record great quality on one side. And mm -hmm. we've been going back and forth over this uh, a lot. And one of the issues with the recording locally is you can't monitor it. And uh, if you've ever been in that situation, uh, you, you might have experienced there will be holes in your recording and what have you, but you have no chance of going back and fixing that. So we would like to have a high quality local recording that you can monitor during the recording. Yeah, which makes uh, a bunch of sense. And there's a bunch of other similar um, uh, pieces of uh, technology that do that sort of thing uh, as well, including mm -hmm. uh, CleanFeed, which uh, just won, a, won an Emmy for their particular tool. So um, that all makes a bunch of sense. The one thing, though, that, of course, most people are talking about is transcription. What is so special about Hindenburg's transcription? There are lots of other things, uh, other services that, that do transcription. Um, in various different ways. What's the, what's the secret source of yours? Well, the secret source here is that, well, there's many really, but if we just point to transcription on its own, it's, it's built in. You don't have to be online to use the uh, transcription. It's all built in, so you have it on app. So, and that was something that was important for us because we realized that many of our users are uh, mobile. 
in, in the sense that they travel a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a boat or a plane or if you're in the middle of a Saharan desert or what have you, you, you can't be dependent on being uh, online. Mm. So that was one thing. And it's just some, sometimes we just work ourselves into a really tight corner because we knew that that would be a situation. We need, someone needed to handle that situation properly and uh, there was no one out there doing it. So we had to figure out a way of doing that. So that was one thing. And as of late, I guess you know this more than anyone, uh, there have been some red flags uh, when it comes to transcription services, when it comes to privacy. And mm -hmm. uh, they all work fine, you know, all transcription services nowadays work fine. But if you have sensitive material, um, are you sure that that material is not being, well, surveyed or what the word is going to use? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're working on something which is against the government, if you're working on uh, just basically an exclusive a story that you have that nobody else has, probably what you don't want to do is to upload it to some random service somewhere in the cloud um, because who, who knows who's going to actually hear that. And so it's, it's interesting seeing that um, Hindenburg Pro 2 will just do all of the transcription on your own machine with no internet connection whatsoever. Yeah, we do try, but that's just something that goes on in the background. And the, the, the next uh, point of it is obviously that you need to be able to work with it. Now, the version that uh, you've tried out right now is obviously very uh, early days of it. But what we're trying to do is make it as rugged as possible. Anyone who's ever used Hindenburg knows that it just works day in, day out. So you can reach your deadlines. And working with transcription is a great idea. And it always has been. It's, it's nothing new to us that transcription would be a way of working. But it had to reach a level of maturity where we could actually uh, depend on it. Because it, it has to work all the time. And it has to be fast. It, it can't just be a gimmick. It has to be a tool. And that's what we're trying to do with it. Now the technology is there. The transcriptions are actually quite amazing, to be honest. Uh, and now we're just fine-tuning the, the tools so they just work all the time. Yeah, no, it's a very smart and very cool um, thing. And, you know, it, it allows you to edit as if it was a Word document, which is a, a lovely thing. I can't work out how you say that without saying Word. Um, <laughs> if, it, if it was a word processing document, maybe. Um, so you can do that, but you can also obviously see the words on the top of each individual piece of uh, audio, which um, uh, I actually found when I was editing yesterday, I actually found that it was, uh, it just makes it much, much easier because you know which bits of audio that you're actually editing. Um, when I first learned to edit on a computer, I was using a, a piece of software called Sadie, mm. and uh, which was, you know, thousands of pounds worth of of, um, uh, of equipment. And I remember in the day long training which I had, um, the thing that I uh, left from that day long training knowing, because this was the first time that I'd ever seen a waveform on a computer screen, um, uh, the thing that I remember most was somebody telling me that. Um, the word fish looks like a fish. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is a good thing. Well, well, in Hindenburg, it actually looks like a half a fish. <laughs> it 
does. It looks like half a fish. That's the voice of uh, Chris, uh, who is uh, you. You're you're what the CEO of the company, Chris. That's what they call me. So let's let's take a, a, a step back. What's what's the history of the company? Why why does Hindenburg exist, and how long has it actually existed? Well, actually, that's that's actually Nick's. Uh, um, idea originally um, he was uh, working on a project related to community radio in Africa where as part of that development he needed a piece of uh, audio editing software which was easy for people to understand without having a whole day of training with Sadie for example which would have to be preceded by a whole day or month of training of how to use a computer Mm -hmm. which would have had to be preceded with uh, schooling on how to read and write and not in the country in Zambia as it was. That was not necessarily the case. But stories, they were great and people could tell them. So Nick was looking for a solution for that together with Preben. He developed the basis of what is, what is Hindenburg. Um, and a, a, a really easy editor for storytellers to use without having to understand uh, the depth of technology behind it. Mm. And it turned out that when he showed it to his colleagues or when we showed it to colleagues here in Denmark, they actually were looking for exactly that. And there was actually a basis to build a business, which is when he called me and said, I don't know how to build a business, but I can do this software. Are you interested in helping us? Yeah. And, and uh, so how long ago was that? 2000 and I think the first time we spoke together was 2009. So 12, 13 years later, who uses it now? Well, it's actually fantastic. You know, uh, first of all, a lot of community radios around the world, we still uh, have that mission to give Hindenburg away to uh, underrepresented groups around the world. So uh, everything from Africa in Kenya, who we have supported from the beginning, uh, to community radios in South Africa, Botswana, Middle America, Latin America, uh, Nepal. So in that sense, we still serve that, uh, that purpose and have very high focus on that. But also uh, a lot of public radio stations around the world, particularly in North America, and um, educational institutions. And then moving from there, a lot of famous people like James Cridland and uh, Adam Curry, just name dropping here. Um, and uh, wonderful people around the world who do podcasting. Yeah, which is, uh, and it's really found, I think, a niche in terms of, you know, because it's a great speech editor, it's really found a niche in the podcast world where we don't have to worry about editing music um, and we can just focus on the story, which is uh, a good thing. So Hindenburg Pro version two, how's that going to work from a business point of view? Um, you're not going to give everybody a free update. Um, and, I mean, I bought mine, uh, what, five, six years ago. Um, so how's it going to work if you currently have um, a version of, of uh, Hindenburg Pro already? So um, historically, we have... Uh, we sold uh, perpetual licenses for version 1.x so up to version 1.99 and this is finally version 2 i have to say i've been trying to get paperman nick to agree to putting version 2 out for about five or six years (laughs) but finally i got i got to put my foot down and say uh, no so if you have a perpetual license you will be able to buy an upgrade to uh, version 2 at a uh, fairly high discount Mm -hmm. of pro it must be said about a year and a bit ago we introduced a subscription plan in parallel 
a lot of people like a perpetual license because it's a one-off. They know what they've paid for it. They don't have to invest again. However, another lot of people like to have a low barrier to entry. They don't want to put $400 on the table and hope that they're going to get their money's worth. So they like the idea of a subscription. And the advantage of subscription is that we can add third-party services that we have to pay for, like call recording or transcription into it, the package, and price it so that it makes sense. And you can't do that with a perpetual license because there's no idea what's going to work. So mm. if you have a subscription at the moment of Pro, it'll just roll into Pro 2 and carry on at the base level, which will not include a transcription and a call recording. And then we're going to have, and we've so far we've gone for the metallurgical values uh, because it's so easy to understand, bronze, silver, gold. So for a pro silver or pro gold subscription, that will include 20 hours of transcription or 50 hours of transcription and uh, also a certain number of call recording hours. Yeah, well, that, that, that makes a bunch of sense. And I think, you know, it is interesting seeing that you offer both, you know, buy the, buy the product, but also you offer an additional monthly fee as well. And I think that that makes, that makes perfect sense, or rather I should say an alternative monthly fee. Uh, and I think that that makes a bunch of sense. So, um, yeah. We, as a perpetual licensee, you will actually also be able to buy access to transcription and call recording as a package on the side. I mean, I've been using uh, I've been using Hindenburg for a long time. Occasionally, you know, you'll, I'll, I'll go and try some of the others, uh, and then I'll come rushing back. Uh, so it's great to see Hindenburg Pro version two uh, on its way, and uh, and uh, hopefully I look forward to seeing you in um, some of the big podcast conferences and indeed radio conferences over the next um, uh, over the next year year or so. Uh, Nick and Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, James, for having us. Thank you very much, James. Hindenburg Pro two. All I'll say to you, James, is ultak. Yes. There you go. Yes, that's very that's very impressive. Uh, <laughs> now, if you've got the translation in Danish, you'll know what that means. There yes. you go. <laughs> and in case you wondered what the audio of Hindenburg Pro 2 sounds like, then you're listening to it. Uh, Descript has also made a, a number of changes to its redesign. It's included a scene rail, whatever that is, and improvements to the canvas. When you have a look at all of the changes that Descript have made, it's all about video. Uh, and uh, there seems to be no work in terms of the audio uh, stuff for uh Descripts. Now, I should point out that there is, as you just heard, something to do with video in the new Hindenburg Pro version 2, but it is just purely, you can pull in a bit of video, you can edit and, and um, play around with the audio and then export the video. It's not a video editor uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, but uh, yeah, I find it very interesting to see Descript has basically gone. You know what? We're we're just gonna we're just interested in the video stuff now, and not really having a look at the audio uh, anymore, which is uh, I think a mistake. But still, there we are. Yeah, many long-term users, myself included, do not like the new UI uh, and find mm. the direction, as you said, the video-heavy direction that they've taken not to be something that we're really interested. In. But maybe they're prescient. You know, we we have talked about uh, video becoming. Uh, a bigger play in 23 so maybe they're just seeing it before we are who knows well yeah indeed and talking about video youtube's head of podcasting kai chuck is to be 
uh, speaking at next week's Hot Pod Summit in Brooklyn in New York. Hot Pod Summit, oh, that's a whole uh, day's conference uh, run by a newsletter. That sounds an interesting idea. Uh, Ariel Shapiro will be doing a short interview with Kai Chuck about, uh, as she says, about how YouTube plans to leverage its position as the top streamer of podcasts. Mm. Anyway, uh, Kai has uh, spoken at a number of big events uh, last year, but um, if you remember, we we were both at Podcast Movement Evolutions in LA last year, and we sat very excitedly waiting for Kai Chuck to make some form of announcement about YouTube and podcasts, and um, that announcement never came, did it? No. no. I'm going to take a bet with you this time as well, James, that he'll say nothing interesting. I think that that's absolutely the case. I have reached out to the PR person um, and said, um, if there's a story, we'd love to help you tell it. Um, but uh, yeah, I would doubt that. Now, uh, the folks from uh, Hindenburg are from Denmark, um, uh, as you probably guessed. And uh, they're not the only Danish people doing exciting things with podcasts, are they, Sam? No, the Vikings are coming, James. The Vikings are coming. It Uh looks like the Danes are entering the UK market. Podimo is to enter the UK podcast market with more than 20 new shows. Very exciting. Yeah, they um, they've done a lot of big deals. They've um, they've uh, worked with a number of different podcast studios in the UK um, to be able to make those shows uh, available. Um, it was quite a press release that they ended up uh, sending earlier on this week, uh, working with Listen, um, which is a big uh, radio and podcast maker, um, Mag's Creative, Message Heard, where your friend Jake comes from, Telltale Industries, Tortoise, uh, which is a um, long-form news organisation, Vespucci, and What's the Story Sounds. So they're doing a a load of uh, stuff there. And then, um, not just um, are they uh, expanding into the UK, but they've just announced that they're going to be expanding into Mexico as well. Um, In the next couple of months, the company says that the number of users in Mexico who consume audio entertainment in podcast format has increased by 70% in the last four years. Mexico is clearly the place to be. Um, So uh, yeah, Podimo growing uh, really, really fast. It'd be really good if we could get uh, somebody from Podimo on the show, Sam. Yeah, I know. (laughs) They are. Next week, we've got Jake Chudnow. I've probably said that probably wrong, but he's the global head of studios for Podimo. So yeah, I reached out to Jake and he said, yeah, I'll speak to you next week and tell you all about our plans for the UK. That's fantastic. I remember having a chat with uh, Jake uh, a number of years ago and he was very excited about about starting to work uh, at Podimo. Podimo, and I was telling him all about the uh, Copenhagen underground system, which is uh, which you can sit at the front and pretend that you're driving the trains. It's quite fun. You do that on the DLR. Now, you can. Um, <laughs> and Mexico. Hey, maybe we should go to Mexico as well, James. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be nice. Maybe we should run some mm. form of a conference there. Yeah, that would be good. Now, James, you've got some trade secrets to spill. Come on, spill the tea, as the kids say. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds as if we've got quite a lot of trade secrets. Yeah. Uh, yes. So um, there, uh, there was uh, one of the original podcasts, Dave Weiner and Adam Curry, uh, produced a podcast called Trade Secrets, which started to run in September 2004. It ran until January 2005. It is a fascinating listen. And um, Dave uh, contacted me and said, uh, you should listen to uh, Trade Secrets. Um, 
because it goes into how podcasting got its name. And I said, brilliant. Uh, where is Trade Secrets then? How do I go and uh, have a listen? And it turned out that uh, it wasn't available in an RSS feed and hasn't been for some time. So imagine my uh, slight nervousness when I said to Dave, well, why don't I write an RSS feed for it? saying to the person that invented RSS feeds, <laughs> why don't I write an RSS feed for it? Um, and so, yes, you'll find that uh, you'll find that available now. If you're using a Podcast Index uh, app, a new podcast app, then just search for Trade Secrets. Um, and uh, if you're not, then uh, you'll find a link in the Pod News newsletter uh, for how you can listen on your legacy podcast app, whether that's um, uh, Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or Overcast or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, it's got full transcripts and the podcast people tag and all kinds of uh, stuff in there. It's a great listen. Um, so really worthwhile having a listen and um, uh, possibly an exclusive for this very, very podcast. Dave Weiner also had another podcast, which was called Morning Coffee Notes, which lasted for significantly longer, has significantly more episodes in there. And I'm looking forward to doing exactly the same with, with morning coffee notes as well. So I'm busy putting those through the through the transcriber and everything else. There's a wonderful morning coffee notes where he's um, sitting watching a storm. And um, all you can hear is, you know, thunder and lightning in the background. And he keeps on pausing for it because he knows when it's going to happen. And it's a, it's a great listen, great listen. So really looking forward uh, to that. So if you want to hear a little bit of history... Um, then uh, punch up Trade Secrets in your new podcast app. Well done, James. Congratulations. And also, just mm. on a side note, Dave Weiner pointed out that uh, XML, which is the underlying technology for RSS, was 25 years old last Friday. Yes, so happy birthday, XML. Um, said no one ever, but uh, I just have. Uh, so, yes, so that's a good thing. Uh, in People News, uh, Seb Rennie has been hired as executive head for Listener Commercial. He looks as if he's probably just been working at a real estate company. Um, he looks very, very posh, way too posh for a, a media person. Anyway, uh, he's going to be driving the commercial strategy for the Australian radio and podcast app. The reason why he looks so smart is that uh, he used to be chief investment officer for Group M uh, in Australia and New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. My understanding is that I think that they're trying to sell Listener as a as an app um, in other countries, uh, which would be uh, interesting, which, of course, is what iHeart does. Um, so it'll be interesting seeing what Seb does there. Matt Medeiros started a new role this week, a friend of the show and also a supporter. Uh, he is now WordPress community evangelist for Gravity Forms. Uh, he had been with Castos. Um, Audia has also appointed uh, a person called Tim Ackerman as chief financial officer. Audia is a uh, AI company that deals with uh, audio and that sort of thing. Uh, and also Scotty Pitbull Myers has joined Gemini 13 as Vice President Sorry, who's of that? Entertainment That's a great name. Special Projects. Yes, Scotty Pitbull Myers. You just don't want um, to go into a meeting with him, do you, and negotiate? Yeah, you don't, you don't want to. I, although I did, I did take a, a, a look at his photograph and uh, he, he doesn't entirely look like a Pitbull. But anyway, um, he's joined Gemini uh, 13, which is a really big podcast company or wants to be a really big podcast company in uh, New York. Um, it's also got... 
uh, offices in Sydney, apparently, which is uh, all very nice. Um, and uh, he is looking after uh, a couple of new hires that they've made. They're making radio shows and also podcasts. So there you go. If you're looking for a job, Pod News has podcasting jobs across the industry and across the world, and they're free to post. It'll take just two minutes to add a new role at podnews.net slash jobs. The Tech Stuff, tech stuff. on the Pod News Weekly Review. I love this section. Uh, RSS.com, friends of the show, now support the podcast TXT for ownership and verification. I know that Alberto was out there when the first conversation started, so congratulations to them for now implementing it. Yes, it looks uh, very good. Uh, podtext.ai, uh, it's one of a slew of new services, slew, there's a good word, uh, that searches between podcast transcripts and allows you to share clips. Um, and uh, it's worthwhile having a look at, although I did find it funny um, on Y Combinator, which is um, one of the many places where I look for uh, news. Um, the author posts there, my employer will fire me if they find out about this uh, project. So, uh, <laughs> you know, oops. Uh, so let's hope that nobody finds out uh, who he is. Uh, he calls himself Anon Builder. A non-builder. Uh, <laughs> I thought he came round to do my extension last week. Yes. Uh, and there's also another one called podsearch.page. Uh, there's another one in there, um, kailualabs.com. They're, they're all over the place. And I think um, probably one of the reasons why they're all over the place is that, of course, it's really easy in terms of uh, Whisper uh, to do all of these um, high-quality uh, transcripts and stuff. But uh, interesting seeing that. Now, RSS Blue announced this week, which caught my attention, that they now support the KeySend protocol uh, with a extension called Dot Wellknown Lookup Schema, which means that basically you can now just put in the lightning address. So what's yours, James? James, is it james at getalby.com? Yeah, james at getalby.com will work or james at crid.net. And yes, if you just type that in, then it automatically grabs that through um, a, a dot well-known uh, config file, uh, which is a really clever plan. Yeah, so I thought I'd reach out to uh, Dovidas Jokas, who is the CEO and founder of RSS Blue, to ask him more about what he was doing with this, but also to find out why did he want to start a new hosting company? Weren't there enough hosting companies already out there? It came from the realisation and a sort of fear of what is happening with the podcasting industry. So a few years ago, I started my own website. I started my own blog. And I realized this is this wonderful technology called RSS, where I can just put anything in it, any updates, and they will be received by all my subscribers without any middlemen. But of course, no one is using RSS anymore. But if you look at 2000s, you had all the blogs utilizing RSS. People knew what this technology does. Twitter was based on RSS. But over time, this thing got centralized. It got removed from all the social media sites. And there appeared these middlemen who controlled the information and its flow. I think we don't appreciate enough how amazing it is that this technology still powers podcasting. But I also feel we should be vigilant in a sense that this may not always be the case. And my goal with RSS Blue 
was to make ours as the best possible experience for both podcasters and listeners so that we could have the best possible solution for everyone so that Apple or Spotify cannot just offer a better product using their closed source solutions. So when I first heard about the idea of podcasting 2.0, all of these new amazing features, transcripts, chapters, value for value, I said, that's amazing. Because if we can extend RSS using these new standards, it really offers a much superior experience compared to what companies like Spotify or Apple can offer at the moment. So that was the genesis of it. So when you started putting out RSS Blue, what was the business plan that you're going to offer hosting at a certain price? You're going to offer RSS extended features. How did it kick off? So from the very inception, RSS Blue was founded with Podcasting 2.0 in mind. So when we launched in the summer of 2022, we already had things like transcripts and chapters supported. So people could, at an affordable price, use our service to already utilize those new podcasting features. How have you found the adoption of users still an uphill learning curve? What's value for value? What's a digital wallet? What's a SAT? Of course, you're going to have support calls and you're going to have users going, well, yes, I just want to host my podcast and have it on Apple. What's all this other stuff that you keep asking me to do? Is that the general gist or, or do you have people going, no, I'm an early adopter and this is so cool? So the amazing thing is that these new features were one of the main attractions for people to come use our service. So most of our users are people coming from other hosting companies where those features did not exist. Or people coming from SoundCloud where they feel the feature set is just not complete. And you come to ours as blue and you have all these features presented in a very simple user interface and also at a relatively low price so they can use it right away. And of course, there is difficulty often at explaining some of these new things. Value for value is, I think, the greatest example of this, where you have terms like lightning addresses, node addresses, key send, custom value, custom key. What does that mean? So one of the main challenges has been how to make it accessible to people who don't really care about the underlying technology and they want to utilize the benefits of this technology, that is, the direct relationship between podcasters and listeners. So at the moment, ours as Blue has the best user interface out of all podcast hosting companies for dealing with value for value. All people have to do is enter their lighting address and we will fetch all the details automatically. So this works with Albi, this works with Fountain, this works with v4v.app, which is a website for Hive accounts. And in fact, it will work with any provider that supports Lightning Keysend protocol. That's really cool, because that was a new schema that came out. Who came up with it? Was it you or was it somebody else? How did it come about? So Keysend is still a protocol in works where it is being actively developed. And there have been a few early adopters, so namely... Albi and Fountain, 
where they essentially enabled everyone who has wallet with them to utilize this protocol. And then of course, embed the addresses in the RSS feeds at the hosting providers. So even if it's not Fountain or Albi, if you support this scheme, we will get your details automatically. That's very cool because that overcomes what the user doesn't want to do, as you said earlier, finding out all the long strings that they have to put in. And of course, that injects the idea of error because the more you have to put in numerical numbers, somebody's missed off one number, then they go, oh, it doesn't work, and blah, blah, blah. I've seen this before, and I've talked about this before, when we had to learn about HTTP and what's a URL and how do you find a domain name and it was all new terminology and now everybody in the world talks about it as if it's you know standard common vocabulary and I suspect that you know people will say oh what's your digital wallet address I'll look it up for you will be common and it'll just populate and it's done what other features have you got planned so one of the main features we currently support include transcripts chapters the value tag. We have things like TXT tags, which is a way for podcasters to verify ownership. So for example, if you want to prove that you are the owner of the feed, you don't actually need to keep your email address in that feed, which helps avoid spam. But you can simply embed some string of letters that someone else gave it to you to essentially prove that yes, I am in control of this feed. So in the future, we would love to support the person tag. I feel the live feature of Podcasting 2.0 is incredibly exciting. So for that, I would love to actually have the infrastructure to do the live recordings within the RSS Blue infrastructure, as opposed to just copying and pasting some link to the live recording. I think as a host, if you can provide them with an HLS or Shoutcast server as a value-added service to what you're doing, that would be amazing. I've said it before that you can make this your premium offering compared to your standard, because not everyone's going to do a live item tag stroke live podcast. So you could say, look, Mr. and Mrs., standard podcast you can come to rss blue and we'll give you things like transcripts and persons and and wallets but if you want to do more sexy stuff and go live then there's my premium version and you can timeshare my shoutcast or hls server actually hls is really cool i was listening to adam and dave because you can do a rewind on a reel live and i'm like whoa that's so good um that's the geek in me coming out so that's brilliant one of the things that you are also (laughs) I mentioned you're a doctorate. Your PhD is in what? Please remind everyone or tell everyone. So during my PhD, I investigated the efficiency of machine learning hardware and how feasible it would be to use that. Okay. So you're an AI expert. You know a lot about that area and cybersecurity and everything else. And that's what you do at the UCL in London. Um Where do you see AI fitting into podcasting then? So there's a lot of hype in this area, but I think Whisper is one of the most wonderful examples of how AI can benefit us. Because essentially now, anyone can just download the open source models from OpenAI and transcribe any audio they have better than most of the services that offer this for a very high price. 
So this essentially democratizes this kind of service. So I hope many of these kind of technologies could be applied to other aspects of podcasting. And let's say when you have things like transcripts, it increases your efficiency by orders of magnitude. So I just saw the post a few days ago, this program called, I believe, Mac Whisper, which is essentially built for Mac OS, integrating the Whisper model. So it essentially provides a very nice, easy to use graphical interface that utilizes the Whisper model. It transcribes your audio. And when you have the transcriptions, you essentially have all the text that is searchable. It also makes it easier for you to do things like chapters. You don't need to listen to the audio to even know where the timestamp starts and where it ends. So these kinds of improvements, I believe, will make it much, much more efficient for podcasters. And they will rely on these external services to do these kinds of tasks for them. Is there anything else that you think, given you know, you're deep in the weeds with RSS as well, that you see coming down the track that you're excited for? So one of the things we also have at RSS Blue is the implementation of the Medium tag, which is probably one of the simplest tags, which it essentially tells you what kind of podcast do you have. Because we podcast, we usually think of them as audio shows. But in reality, podcast is any RSS feed that has enclosures in it. So it could be a show. It could be an audiobook. Maybe it's a music clip. And one of the things we support is music podcasts. So we have a few of those at RSS Blue. And I feel that's very exciting. It's a new way for musicians to distribute their music and get value from their listeners. And one of the challenges I believe at this very moment is how could musicians utilize the power of value for value to its full extent. Because we know that people like Adam Curry reiterate that to get value, you need to ask for value. And that is difficult for musicians because listeners of music do not really want to be interrupted in the middle of a song to be asked for value. So I believe there is a lot of potential on the podcast player side to create user interfaces for music podcasts where it makes it very easy for listeners to give value back to the music creators. The question I get is, how do we convince users, and that's not just RSS Blue, but as an industry, that actually podcasting isn't a free-to-consume medium that actually you need to pay for podcasts? How do we convince them to do that? I guess it's a difficult question because we have a lot of great examples of how text content has been monetized in the last few years. If you look at Substack, that has been probably the best examples of how you can monetize content. But at the same time, if we want to keep the values of value for value, we don't want to essentially close this content from the people who don't pay this. So I believe it is the challenge essentially for the podcasters to communicate to their listeners of how useful this kind of feature could be to essentially 
help them develop the content that the listeners want. It's also important to communicate the value of this to the podcasters themselves. So it's also the task of us, the hosting companies, because I feel one of the features, one of the qualities that is underappreciated of value for value is the feedback mechanism. Podcasting has for a very long time relied on download statistics to essentially measure how well the podcast has performed. You know, even at RSS Blue, we have the support for OP3 analytics, and that's great. But downloads do not have that much meaning if the listeners do not contribute to the podcaster in a meaningful way. So value for value is just an amazing way to know that the things you create, they matter because the listeners actually value that. Yeah, and it comes from, for me, it comes from Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable, where he wrote the blog about the 1,000 true fans. And that that's where I think, apart from Adam Curry's use of value for value, is where I think the original concept of creating value from your true fans or receiving value from your true fans. Fountain is a great example of how maybe this could be done. So I met with Oscar Mary of Fountain a few months ago. And one of the things I communicate to him is how difficult it is to really understand the whole terminology of value for value, you know, lighting payments. It's just so difficult. And even to get Satoshis into your fountain wallet, it was very essentially difficult to give back to the creators. So I feel they've done a great job at making this much simpler, where you can essentially buy Satoshis within the app, and then after that, directly pay back to the podcasters. So I feel value for value in this form provides a way for many of the app developers to be part of this whole ecosystem and actually get value from it. Yeah, it's in the, the terminology of taking fees, a percentage of the transaction. So yeah, that is the only way. And I think that's why I think Oscar and Mitch and others are very keen to get value for value, because that is the only way I think app developers are going to get any monetization within this ecosystem. So RSS Blue, it's not even a year old now. How big is the team? Is RSS Blue you? At the moment, RSS Blue, yes, it is just one person. Everything that you do, you're the coder, you're the customer support person, you're everything as well. Do you think you're going to expand the team? Are you going to go for external funding? How do you think you want to grow RSS Blue? So at the moment, RSS Blue is growing organically at a pace where I can still handle all the customer support requests. But... In the future, once there is a need for essentially providing the best quality service to the podcasters, which I alone wouldn't be able to do, I feel that's the time when I will look probably at external funding and see how we can grow this even further. Dovidas, for people listening, where can they go and find more about RSS Blue? It's very simple. Just go to rssblue.com. And if they need to find you on Twitter or Mastodon, where would they find you? So people can find me on podcastindex.social. If you just type in my name, Davidas, you will find me on podcastindex.social, where we have a lot of great conversations on the technology of podcasting 2.0. Thanks a lot, Davidas. Thank you, Sam. 
Dovidas Joxas from RSS Blue. And as one podcast hosting company uh, starts and gets well known, uh, another one ends up closing. Uh, Pod Tricks. If you're hosted on Pod Tricks, uh, then you've not got long uh, because that's going to close on February the 28th. It's owned by Mark Binder. Uh, it was launched in February last year, although you're not hosted on Pod Tricks, are you? Um, because I took a look in the podcast index. Uh, I could find two shows hosted by Pod Tricks. One of them was theirs, one of them was from a company that they had press released. Uh, the pod news sample only has one of them. Um, and um, I did find an article saying that it was earning $200 in monthly recurring revenue in October. So it's kind of no surprise that that is to close, but to close it will, and it'll end up closing on February the 28th. Do you think that we'll see more podcast hosting companies closing uh, this year, Sam? Yeah, I, I think there will be an M&A, I think, there will be those that, you know, support new standards. I mean, look, I think, you know, Todd called it correctly. We've been calling them tags, but features is a better name. Mm. And I think as more features are added by host, I think the competition is going to start to ramp up a bit. And I think people are going to start to drop away those that don't add it. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, if you're hosting with um, a, a very capable podcast host like Omni Studio that doesn't support any of the podcasting 2.0 tags, then at some point you will ask yourself, you know, I really need support for X, Y, and Z. Um, and this company doesn't do that. And so therefore, and Captivate's the same. Um, and so therefore, you know, well, what should we do? We'd better go somewhere else. Um, and so I really do see it as being a bit of an issue. And I think that Todd has got this absolutely right. I was listening to Todd Cochran from Blueberry's podcast um, while I was walking the dog this this morning and he was saying, and there is a, an element of he would say this, wouldn't he? But he was saying that over the last couple of weeks, he has been importing more podcasts than he ever has. Um, and one would assume that it's got something to do with the uh, with the new focus that that company has on supporting the podcast uh, namespace. So uh, well done to him. Now let's move around the world, James. Ah, uh, now, keeping your mind out of the gutter, what do the majority of Americans do when they listen to podcasts? No, it's not that. Uh, it's household chores. <laughs> uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, commuting as well um, uh, is uh, second, um, 42%. I think uh, the uh, household chores is, I think, 49% from memory. Um, it's not falling asleep, which uh, most people uh, assume that it is. Falling asleep is actually quite low uh, in terms of that uh, chart. That was uh, new research done by uh, U. Gov. Staying in America, um, Troy Price wrote uh, uh, an impression of what he learned from Podfest in Orlando, which, you know, is well worth a little read. Um, but what he did love, again, Todd Cochran, here he is again. He's getting lots of mentions this week, isn't he? Um, uh, he said he went to his presentation on the podcast 2.0 and he wants to jump in on value for value. He sees it as much more. Uh, a way for him to support his podcast than through advertising or sponsorship. You really like what Todd had to say. Yeah, which is uh, nice. So, And I know that Todd is talking about podcasting 2.0 in every single conference that he is talking at uh, this year. Uh, in Kuwait, STC, which I think stands for Saudi Telecom Company. Anyway, it's a telecoms company there. I think it's the number three. They ran a workshop about podcasting. So interesting seeing the Arab states again doing more around uh, podcasting in uh, South Africa. 
Africa as well. Uh, radio isn't dying, but an academic says podcasts are growing. Uh, South Africa is a really interesting market because mobile data is inordinately expensive. Um, the South African uh, telco, the main telco, just charges so, so much. Um, and um, so uh, podcasting has a real uh, issue there. It's one of the reasons why uh, I keep on wittering on to anybody that will listen that uh, we should be uh, encoding everything that we do as uh, really low bitrate uh, opus files that um, uh, people can choose if they want to, to end up uh, downloading through the alternate enclosure tag. But anyway... Um, uh, that might be useful for South Africa, but certainly podcasts are growing in that country, which is uh, always nice to end up seeing. Uh, zipping back up to Ireland, the number one Irish podcast, The Two Johnnies, uh, have a festival called Pints in a Field, and it's sold out, uh, which is great. They've also sold out their very first UK show at London's Hackney Empire. So, yeah, they are going on the road. And lastly, of course, it's in February, their fifth anniversary. So um, I can't say I've actually heard the Two Johnnies podcast, have you? Um, they ended up doing, uh, they ended up being offered a show on uh, the RTE, on the um, uh, public service broadcaster in the country. I think it was on 2FM. Uh, and I think the show lasted for about two weeks before they had managed to um, to offend so many different people were they e and were thrown off. <laughs> were they effing and jeffing as well? <laughs> I'm not sure they, they were effing and jeffing, but they were probably, I don't know, saying 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 something terrible about the Virgin Mary or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they're never off. a good thing. Yes, which is uh, which is no good. But uh, apparently they're, they're, they're very, very funny. Um, I covered a story yesterday uh, sent to me by Matt Cundall, friend of the show. And uh, this was about, which I just thought was really interesting. It's a company um, called Obi and Axe, um, which is a company that makes podcasts for people. They made a set of podcasts for the Toronto police. It's called 24 Shades of Blue. It's a really simple sounding podcast. Uh, it's just... Uh, an interview podcast. It sounds all right. Uh, it's got a nice sort of, you know, little bit of music right at the beginning, and then it's just an interview. And they charge $330,000 for that, or rather they have over the last three years. So still more than $100,000 um, for a podcast that they actually host on Anchor, which is free, which is which is a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so uh, a CBC investigation has asked the right questions and got the right answers about how how much was this podcast? How many people is it actually reaching? Only about 92,000. Is it good value for money? Well, there's a question. Um, but uh, great seeing um, uh, a little bit of digging by the CBC in terms of this, um, in terms of this, uh, you know, copaganda type show. I think, it, uh, I think they've been stitched up. I think they need to open up a case file because they've been stolen from. That's a bad one there. Um, finally, in Asia, uh, what is one of the most developed podcast markets in all of East and Southeast Asia? James, you've been doing it again. What have you been up to? Yeah, uh, podcasting in Thailand is uh, one of the most developed uh, podcast markets. Uh, it's fascinating 
country to have a look into podcasting. The top two podcasts are horror podcasts, and the rest of them, according to the Spotify charts for January, are all about learning. Um, so again, really interesting looking at different countries in East and Southeast Asia uh, and looking at what individual countries are all about. Um, it's part of a uh, series that we've been running in Pod News over the last couple of months around podcast markets in East and Southeast Asia. That's now uh, complete if you want to go and um, take a, a good read of all of those. And uh, what's going to happen next is we're going to start diving deeper into each country. We've also got articles coming up about China uh, and about India as well. I wouldn't have imagined we've got very many listeners in China um, because I think you need to be a special podcast to get into China, but certainly in India, um, uh, maybe we've got uh, quite a few. I should have a look at the Buzzsprout stats. Um, they would they would tell me, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, I don't but say. I do think that there's a, an awful lot of really interesting stuff going on in the Asian um, p- podcast market. So well worth taking a look at that. Fancy a trip to Kuala Lumpur. Yes, a trip to Kuala Lumpur. That would be nice. Well, I will be there, actually, uh, at the beginning of September. Radio Days Asia um, is uh, there every year, uh, at least has been there every year um, when we've been able to be there. Um, and so uh, there may be some um, podcasty stuff going on there as well uh, uh, this year, but um, but uh, as there was last year, but uh, who knows. Um, a couple of other upcoming events. Uh, Radio Days North America is happening in Toronto in early June. I will be one of those speakers. I'm talking about uh, great technology from podcasting that radio stations can use. Uh, So that should be quite fun. I've literally booked my flights this morning. Uh, So that's good. It's in early June and it's right in front of our very own event, um, which is called Pod News Live, which is not Todd Cochran and uh, Rob Greenlee, uh, us doing uh, this show on a stage uh, because you can't fill an entire day doing that. Uh, no, uh, it's uh, it's going to be a great uh, conference. More uh, details of that uh, in just uh, a minute later on in this very podcast. Um, also, the Infinite Dial US is going to be presented as a free webinar on March the 2nd. It's a really big piece of uh, research. Weird that they're doing it on March the 2nd and not a week later at Podcast Movement Evolutions, but still, uh, that's uh, Edison Research for you. Uh, the podcast consumption figure from that data dropped slightly last year. I'm hoping it's going to go up this year. Uh, Also going on, of course, Podcast Movement Evolution starting on March the 7th. Uh, March the 4th is Podfest Cairo. Uh, If you want to go to that, that's in the American University um, in the city. Uh, The New Zealand podcasting event, um, which is uh, scheduled for May the 13th, although Auckland has not had an awful lot of good luck recently with the weather. Um, And uh, a few other things. Uh, The German Podcast Awards are open for entry. The Publisher Podcast Awards have just announced their nominations, um, which should be very exciting. Wednesday, April the 26th, um, there's an early bird um, uh, code here, early bird 20. Mm. You can get 20% off all ticket types. Is that because um, you're thinking about uh, going? Oh, yeah, I got an invite yesterday. So, yeah, I'm going. Yes. Oh, very nice. Yes. No. Uh, are we on the shortlist then? No, no. <laughs> well, I am. I'm on the shortlist. Why, I'm why on the that? shortlist for everything. I'm five foot seven. Um, no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> very good. 
No, uh, I don't think we, 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 we've we not entered. That would be the, the key yes. criteria for getting on any shortlist. We have to enter first, James, and we haven't done that yet. Yes, indeed, which is kind of important. Um, and of course, the podcast show London, uh, which is uh, at, towards the end of May, which I've also just booked my flights for. I, I have booked an awful lot of flights. Um, yes. And uh, yes, I've not, I've not really enjoyed the flight booking. I'm flying Air Canada with one of these uh, flights. Air Canada, it's the airline for people that like the colour beige. Anyway, there are more events, both paid for and free at Pod News, uh, virtual events uh, or events in a place with people. If you're organising something, tell the world about it. It's free to be listed at podnews.net slash events. Boostergram. Boostergram. Corner. 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 On the Pod News Weekly Review. Yes, it's our favourite time of the show. It's Boostergram Corner. Loads of boosts. So thank you to you if you have sent a ton of boosts um, over. Uh, Nick, 1,000 sats. He says, bullish on Jordan Harbinger. Yeah, that was a great interview last week. If you didn't hear it, it's in the Pod News Extra feed. Uh, That was a fantastic interview. 40-something minutes. I've had lots of people saying how much they got out of that particular interview. So uh, that was uh, certainly a good thing, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Dave Jones has given us 5,150 sats. I'm sure that has a significance. Uh, We'll have Nathan Garthright on the podcast Tudor O show this week. It'll be a fun time talking about all of his projects. Yeah, Nathan's a very intelligent guy. um, And I spoke to him a couple of weeks back, actually. So, yes, good listen. Friday nights with Dave and Adam. Yes, uh, um, Kyron from the Mere Mortals podcast, a row of ducks, double two, double two sats. Don't know why I said double two, double two. Anyway, nice selection of boosts you have there. Picking up some steam, he says. And he also says, great chat with Jordan. He sent a boob sat, 8008. Um, <laughs> uh, great chat with Jordan. Uh, not 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 the page three model Jordan, but Jordan Harbinger, obviously. Uh, definitely worth listening to the whole conversation. Might even be worth enabling. Value for value there as well. You would have gotten some extra sats from me. Oh, yeah, value for value on the Pod News Extra podcast. That's a good idea. I should do that. Um, I'll I'll go and do that now. Um, uh, Gene Bean, 1,000 sats. um, A plus one to not calling likes zaps. Oh, yes. Yes, this was your silly idea, wasn't it? Not me. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, no. This is the Nostal lot, right? Can I point out nothing to do with me voting for, for it? It's just I read that that's what they've decided to call the equivalent of likes on Nostra are yes, Zaps. Yes. So I'm just well, reporting they, the news. Don't well, blame the messenger. Well, they won't be on podcasting. Uh, Gene Bean adds, zapping someone has negative connotations, not to mention the UX. Agreed. Uh, he's also sent a row of ducks. Uh, double two, double two. I'm just going to say again. I really enjoyed the show this week. And uh, SRTN, or sorting, as I've been calling them, uh, 250 sats. Um, and uh, they have sent a, uh, a message in their boostergram, which I'm imagining uh, is supposed to be read in a Yoda voice, and says, the path through sometimes conflicting news. Okay. I don't really know what he's talking about. I don't know either. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
But uh, if you do get value from what we do, the Pod News Weekly Review is separate from Pod News. Sam and I share everything from it. We really appreciate your support. Um, you can become a power supporter, weekly.podnews.net. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts at apple.co slash podnews. You get no dynamically inserted ads if you do that. Or you can support us with sats by hitting the boost button in your podcast app, like all of these fine people have. If you don't have one of those, then podnews.net slash new podcast apps will help you find a new app. You've found some podcasts you want to talk about, haven't you, Sam? Yeah, a friend of the show, James Burt, launched his new podcast, Business Marriage. Uh, It's from Phonic Media. Um, It's currently number 11 in the UK charts, and he's done a great job of pre-setting that up. And he's going to be doing a post about what he did to help get his podcast ranked straight away, out the gate, up the charts. So that'll be an interesting read. Um, He says, uh, let's be real. Business is hard. Marriage is hard. And combined, they are double effing hard. So we hope this is the show. It pulls back the curtain and maybe even gives some useful business scale up insights too. Uh, James has got a great track record. He's launched 166 uh, other podcasts apart from this one being his own. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to his report that says what he did and all the different tricks he did to get his podcast ranked in the charts at number 11 so quickly. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, Lemonada Media has launched a new podcast with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, aiming to uh, learn life lessons from women over 70. Uh, Louis-Dreyfus ends up saying, uh, in our culture, older women are rarely seen or heard. What a shame. We're missing out on the wisdom and experiences of a huge portion of the population. Now, Sherilyn Starkey emailed me and said, glad to hear of Julia Louis-Dreyfus's new show. Would you be able to give a shout out about my show, 50 Women Over 50? I'm not a famous actor, but I'm working hard on my independent podcast. Well, uh, good for you. So you should be. Uh, So if if you um, don't fancy 70 Women Over 70, I don't think it's going to be called that. But if you don't fancy the Women Over 70 podcast, how about the Women Over 50 podcast? It's called 50 Women Over 50. It's hosted on Simplecast. Uh, Thank you, Sherilyn, for your email. Now, uh, the BBC have a business podcast called The Bottom Line, and if you missed it last week, it was a good one. They had Jack Davenport from Goal Hanger Podcast, Sam Shatiba from Acast, and the media analyst Rebecca McGrath from Mintel. It was a really good listen, so highly recommend going back and listening to that one. Yes, friend of the show, Ariel Nissenblatt, has launched a new podcast uh, called The Podcast Trailer Podcast. It's her and Tim Villegas. Uh, uh, it immediately charted on Apple Podcasts at number 73. Oh, maybe James Burke could have been helping um, <laughs> get that even even higher. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's a really clever idea. Um, it's basically uh, playing a podcast trailer and helping people understand um, what, uh, what that show is all about and talking to the creators and understanding whether that show uh, went anywhere and uh, got anywhere in the charts and stuff like that. So uh, worth a listen to. Uh, to the trailer park you can also find uh, pod news own new podcast trailers uh, podcast which you'll
you'll find at podnews.net slash trailers. And last but not least, uh, from Pod Bible, Distraction Pieces is celebrating 500 episodes this week. Uh, in the beginning, before Pod Bible, there was Distraction Pieces. Uh, now, Pod Bible co-founder Scroobius Pip, what a name, yes. has released his 500th episode. Yes, it's a, it's a tremendous podcast. Actually, Scroobius Pip is a very good podcaster and completely understands this. He's um, spoken to all kinds of people, um, and you'll find distraction pieces in your podcast app. Anything exciting happening for you this week, Sam? Uh, yeah, well, it's exciting for us this week, James. So uh, I posted on LinkedIn after we had agreed uh, that we are going to be doing a number of events, which we've sort of hinted at throughout this podcast. And so we've got a few more details mm. on it. Um, the first event we are going to be doing is on the 13th of June in Manchester at the Lowry Theatre. Um, we're really mm, excited Salford. because we've got the BBC, we've got Captivate there, but also uh, an audio always. Uh, but I'm glad to say Kate Cocker has said that she's going to come along. She's the uh, host of the award-winning Everyday Positivity. Michael Carr and his team from Crowd Network will be there. Sophie Hind and uh, the MD of VoiceWorks, she's going to be joining us. Uh, we'll be announcing many more names as well. So, yeah, I'm very excited that uh, the agenda's beginning to look great. We'll be telling you more about how you can get tickets soon as well. Yes, indeed. And you'll find a little bit more information at podnews.net slash live. Uh, we are also doing an event in London in September on a date um, that we haven't uh, yet announced, but we will be shortly. Uh, and you can expect um, uh, Davidas Joxas, uh, our guest today, uh, he'll be joining uh, us down in London alongside uh, Naomi Meller, who is founder of the International Women's Awards, uh, and many, many other people as well. We'll continue to announce more speakers and where you can buy your tickets. Uh, but for more information, uh, you can just um, uh, go off to uh, podnews.net slash live and discover more information about that. Yeah, and we also, this week, James, uh, we are confirmed, aren't we, uh, for Podcast Movement in Vegas to do a live show. This show, in fact. Yes, this very show will be live at Podcast Movement in Las Vegas, which uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, uh, now, what, what, what our plan is, is that we need, um, we need some people to come and watch it because otherwise it'll be very dull for Sam and I to sit in an empty room and record a podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah, so if you wanted to come along uh, and watch that, then uh, who knows, there may be beers and uh, something exciting yes. uh, to come once Actually, we've uh, ended up doing that. Can I put it out there? We need a sponsor for beers. So if anyone's interested in sponsoring the beers for our live oh. event, please let us I know. I thought pod fans were sponsoring the beers. Wasn't pod fans sponsoring the beers? Am I doing I, I it? Am I doing it now? <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, in all seriousness, I tell you who should be sponsoring at least some of the beers. Yep. Um, uh, and he's already paid us uh, quite enough for that. And that's Adam Curry. Right. Uh, so Adam Curry has sent us an awful lot of, um, of um, sats and stuff like that. So we will spend some of Adam's money that he's already sent us on the podcasting community. Um, and uh, yes, I've got, I've got a plan for where we'll be and we should probably organise an exact date and time for drinks at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Mm. Um, but uh, I think it should be uh, somewhere which uh, at least has something to do with British people. Um, it sadly 
won't be in the British pub in the, the Riviera because the Riviera Hotel is now no more and is just a car park. Um, so uh, we'll have to find somewhere else. But I think I know exactly where that'll be. Uh, talking about PodFans, uh, how is PodFans going? Great. Um, got loads more things completed off the uh, final task list. So we're about two weeks away from the Alpha and uh, we are launching a little podcast called Fanzone, which is a five-minute weekly podcast about new platform features. I didn't really want a, a WordPress blog or anything like that. I just thought, hey, we're a podcast app. Uh, why don't we launch a podcast app then to tell people about what we do each week? So that's what we're doing. It's called Fanzone. So keep a lookout. Very good. I'm sure that that will be in a podcast app near you and probably always best to suggest that you go and use a new podcast app for that at podnews.net slash new podcast apps. Now, James, what's been happening for you this week? Well, I've been booking uh, an inordinate amount of, um, of uh, flights because I am going all over the place uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, I've just got I've got a song in my head. I'm leaving on a jet plane. That's all I could think of. I mean, of I really will. Now. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, Qantas, uh, after not seeing me for the last four months or so, um, are delighted that I still exist. Um, so I am in Sydney on Tuesday the 28th and Wednesday the 1st, um, the 28th of February, obviously, and the 1st of March. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm going to the IAB Australia Audio Summit 2023. I just fancied it. Um, so I'm popping uh, down there there. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, if you are a Sydney cider, it would be uh, lovely to see you. Um, uh, I've got some time on the first, so that would be good. And then, of course, uh, Podcast Movement Evolutions um, uh, coming up um, uh, after that. I'm actually arriving a little bit early to Podcast Movement Evolutions. I'm arriving on the Sunday night. Um, so uh, if anybody would like to catch up either on the Sunday or on the Monday, um, then that would be a, a super good thing. I will, I will be half asleep. I should point that out. Um, but at the very least, uh, you know, I should probably, you know, exist from that uh, point of view. Um, so basically, I've been planning uh, all of those, uh, all of those things. Um, and, and also flights to Prague in the Czech Republic, uh, which I should call Czechia these days, um, and a hideous uh, flight which I'm doing. I'm going to the NAB show, which I know that Rob and Todd will both be at. Um, so I'm going to the NAB show, um, then flying from there to an event in Berlin that Spotify is, is uh, organising. Um, and I've just been booking. That's a, and that, that, that was a return ticket to... Las Vegas, and then a return ticket from Las Vegas to Berlin or something hideous. It's just going to be a nightmare. Um, so not much looking forward to that. But yes, so I've been doing all of that. That's been good fun. And I've also recorded an episode for Courtney Kosak's new podcast, Podcast Bestie, where I think I mentioned fish and chips about 20 times to make a point. Um, so the question is, how much of that will be edited out? Uh, you'll find out when that podcast mm. uh, appears. Do you know fish and chips is not English? I did not know that fish and chips is not English. Why is it, is it not English? So it's an imported food. So the fish comes from Portugal. It was a Jewish person who brought uh, battered fish to Britain and the chips came from a Jewish person from Belgium and they formed a restaurant in London wow. and sold fish and chips so fish and chips 
by the way, is not British. You'll be telling me next that chicken tikka masala isn't a, isn't a proper Indian dish. Uh, nope, I am going to tell you that. Yeah, try and order that in <laughs> India. See what happens, mate. I will tell yes. you one last bit of trivia. The word curry yes. was mistranslated by the British. Curry actually just means dish. It, it, the Indian word is karai, mm. and the British heard that, karai, karai, mm. and then came back to Britain and said, oh, I'll have a curry. Oh. And that's what it means. It doesn't mean anything else apart from dish. Well, well, there we are. Well, you know, and there I was thinking that I was awfully clever talking about fish and chips and, uh, you know, being a, being a Brit and everything else, and obviously I'll... <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't doing anything. You know about pizza. You know from Italy or anything else. Or uh, I know it's not. Um, anyway, let's move on. That's it for this week, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. You, you can give us feedback using email at weekly at podnews.net or send us a Boostergram, which we love. If your podcast app doesn't support Boost, then grab a new app from podnews.net slash new podcast apps. Yes, our music is from Studio Dragonfly. Our voiceover is Sheila D. We should get some more voiceovers done because we've got some more features now. And we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout. Podcast hosting made easy. Get updated every day. Subscribe to our newsletter at podnews.net. Tell your friends and grow the show. And support us. And support us. The Pod News Weekly Review will return next week. Keep listening.